the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson here on a Monday live with those of you who are watching at youtube.com slash cover3 as we are each and every Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern time if you want to join us for the taping. If you've got questions, hold on to them because uh, we'll get a chance to circle back around to them. But we've got a loaded show right now. We love doing this on Monday afternoons because we get so many updates. We get a lot of injury updates we need to address. We've got some academic eligibility updates we need to address. We need to, as always on Monday, have our Upon Further Review segment where we can, with a chance to digest everything that's happened on the weekend, maybe uh, refine uh, some of our takes from the Saturday night show or on Sunday. Texas quarterback battles are, are back in the headline. Plus, we want to get our week three storylines. Massive weekend ahead with Florida, Alabama, SEC on CBS. Hello. Uh, we also have Penn State hosting Auburn. That's going to be another massive one to keep your eyes on. Uh, lots to be able to get into. But I wanted to begin with a little bit of an activity. Uh, we're not going to do this every single week, but I do think that if there's any updates to the top 25 polls of the top 25 rankings that are notable, we'll try to address them right here at the beginning. But this stood out to me because for the top 12 teams in both the AP and the coaches poll, it is the same 12 teams right there. There's like a cutoff line uh, right above UCLA, which is at number 13 in both polls. However, half of that top 12 is not the same. And not only is it not the same, but it's separated by two ranking positions. So there are these teams, half of the top 12, which the AP voters and the coaching voters all seem to be at least somewhat split on. So the game that I wanted to play was we're going to go team by team, and I want you to tell me whether you're with the AP or with the coaches. Now, you may specifically think that it's totally crazy, but I'm trying to make this as binary as possible and say you know either AP or coaches. If you want to make it neither, that's fine. But uh, I thought that this would be a way for us to get a chance to look at some of these teams uh, outside of the top three, because the top three are the same in both rankings, where there seems to be some differing of opinions. And I think that's representative, especially uh, at this point in the season. So we begin with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa is number five in the AP top 25 and number seven in the coaches. Where are we at? Are we with the AP or are we with the coaches? I'm with neither. Thank you. Me neither. <laughs> like further Man, down? Like, why, why? No, I got them higher. And okay. why, why would you still, why would you have Oklahoma ahead of Oregon? Like, wh what have they done? They beat Western Carolina. Yeah, 76 to nothing. Way to go. Well, the CBS Sports 130 has Oregon number three. So you'll be happy to know that uh, the voters for the CBS Sports 130 uh, at least have that. My, my hunch here is that coaches think Iowa's fraudulent. Coaches see an Iowa team that offensively does not uh, intimidate maybe a lot of defenses. And and I understand the coaches poll is sometimes the SID poll. We can be honest about this. But uh, I, I lean a little bit more with the AP on this one. Uh, I go higher on Iowa as opposed to lower with the coaches. Do as somebody who has bet... Sorry, I was just saying, do you know what team is ranked 125th in the country in yards per play on offense? Is it Iowa? Iowa? It's Iowa. Yeah. 
that's the fifth best team in the country. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away anything from their wins over Indiana and Iowa State. So from a resume perspective, considering Indiana was ranked 17th, I think, to start the season, and Iowa was ranked, what, ninth or 10th last week when Iowa beat it, I get why people are kind of putting it where it was. I think in my Super 16 poll, I had them 10th. So I understand it. It's just... That's not the fifth best team in the country, man. That that te- that offensively, that team is way too limited. They beat Iowa State by ten points. They had twenty three point three points of turnover luck in that game. On a down to down basis, Iowa State was absolutely the better team. Now, look, Iowa deserved to win because Iowa State didn't take care of the football. That's the narrative you're going to paint if you're not one of these turnovers is luck guys. And I, I I can get I can get with that right because Iowa kind of played its game. But its game is really limited, guys. This offense sucks. 2.7 yards of play compared to 5.4, I think, before garbage time for Iowa State. And, like, I know Iowa State had a little bit of stuff in garbage time, so it is important to filter that out like we talked about on the instant reaction. This is not a top-10 quality football team to me based on how it's played. It has beaten two teams that we talked about all summer were overrated as hell in Indiana and Iowa State. And I I bet on Iowa both weeks, so I'm not hating on Iowa. I'm really happy they cashed for me. This offense is way too limiting. This is not a top 10 quality team if that doesn't get fixed a lot. Yeah, and you just touched on it. Indiana fans, you'll be thrilled to hear this coming out of my mouth about a team that's not you. Do you know who currently leads the nation in points off turnover margin through two weeks? By a huge margin, right? Iowa, 37. They are plus 37 on turnovers through two games. That is not sustainable. I I got a question. Does winning matter? Does winning yes. matter? Does, like, yes. does, does it you matters in matter? the game, but if it you're should. projecting forward, if you're evaluating team quality, how you actually played on the field should matter more than what the scoreboard said. But Absolutely. this big, dumb college football. Like, I'm, yes. I'm warning you, you're going to be mad about Iowa. You're going to be mad about Absolutely. Iowa Good. <laughs> as they continue to win and be ranked higher and higher. Danny, I'm with you. I think winning matters. I'm, I'm fine with Iowa at five. Do you know who loves Iowa at five? Ohio State. Yes, because that's a big part of their path to getting back in the playoff. Yeah, right. Don't get me wrong. Like, I I think Iowa could very easily be the best team in the West right now, and I think it could win the division. I just think that it needs to improve on offense. And when I look at the rankings again, I get it this early in the year with two wins over teams that were ranked and, you know, Ohio State losing, Clemson losing. It's going to vault some teams up in the poll that probably aren't going to be there at the end of the season. So I understand. But... what Come year on. was it? 2015 when uh, they made it to the Big Ten championship game and lost to Michigan State like on the goal line. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Michigan State went on and got smoked by Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like people lost their minds then. I remember getting into it with Rosillo. I was on the radio show and like arguing him because he's like, they're not that good. I'm like, if they're not that good, someone will beat them. So like that's my like, you should put them like, if you want to ask me who do I think is going to win the Big Ten? then yeah, I'll give you another answer. But if you want to ask me who should be ranked today based on what we've seen so far, their wins are up there with as anybody in the country. You can make a case for them. So like it's that whole balance of do we think they're good now? Like are, are they are they the prettiest looking team? And it'll probably be like last year with Indiana. Remember we get in there like, oh, Indiana, like look at the turnover margin. Look how many points they're going to – they're scoring somehow. Like they still did get two pick sixes against Indiana. Iowa did. So I'm always like, you put them where they deserve to be ranked now, and if they're not good, if it's not pretty, somebody will beat them. If and then any, you drop you bet them. Iowa State with me? Or What's or that? You bet, you bet Iowa over the weekend, right? Yeah. Um, no, or did you uh, have yeah, Iowa State? I he bet Iowa State. I bet Iowa State. But Danny, I was, you had the right side. If I had to do this all over again, I would bet Iowa State minus four based on how that game was played because turnovers have a huge luck component. Moving the ball, much less so. I had the wrong side in that game, and I won. Like, if we're talking... This is a fundamental issue, though. Are you ranking people based on their wins and sort of resume ranking, or are you ranking them based on how they've actually played? Because there are certainly teams that have played better than Iowa who have a loss right now who I would have over Iowa. Iowa has not played very well. We know turnovers have a huge luck component. Otherwise, Bama would lead the nation in turnover margin, turnover, turnover, touchdowns, all that stuff every single year, and they don't. They lead the nation in like yards per play margin and things that are actually controllable and sustainable, not luck. When you're talking about resume metrics versus predictive metrics, which yeah. will be something that we yeah. argue for the entire season. So, right, and it's just a difference of opinion. Like, if that's how you want to do the poll, that's fine. I just, um, but among I would, I would take Iowa State or Iowa right now. I think that we have a balance of that among 64 voters. 
There's some mm-hmm. like every, everyone's going to have their own percentage of that. I'm glad that this is a. Uh, are you ready? Got some else on Iowa? Yeah. I was, well, first of all, you mentioned the 64 voters. I wanted to send a quick shout out to the voter who accidentally voted for Arizona over Arizona State. But <laughs> the other thing is like this is setting up because you mentioned it, but like how this is huge for Ohio State that Iowa is ranked fifth because I think it's huge for the Big Ten too in the fact that. Iowa should probably win its next two games against Kent State and Colorado State. So it'll probably stay in the top five for a while. And then you've got a Penn State team that's currently at 10 who gets uh, Auburn this weekend. And if they beat Auburn, that could probably bump them up. And then if they beat Villanova and Indiana, we're suddenly looking at Penn State at Iowa on October 9th in what could be like a top five, top six matchup. And it doesn't involve Ohio State. So I think that could be good for the Big Ten overall, too. Okay, let's take this to uh, the next team. I'm, I'm glad this is caught. Uh, I wasn't really sure how it's going to go. AP Top 25 has Texas A&M number seven after a narrow victory in Denver, Colorado against Colorado. Uh, the coaches poll has Texas A&M number five. So this is the reverse of Iowa where the coaches are higher on Texas A&M than the AP. Uh, the AP higher on Iowa than they are on Texas A&M. For those who haven't seen it, Clemson is at six in both these positions. So Texas A&M, are you more with the AP or are you more with the coaches? AP. Think you got like, and you got to consider Hanks King got hurt, although he wasn't exactly balling, but you have to look at how they looked in these games, the opponent they're playing. Like I would have them lower than the coaches, but I think the coaches are more, they're less likely to make massive adjust- adjustments. They're the ones that go, who did I vote for last week? Let me pencil it in. Okay, yeah, the top five, this team didn't lose. Up, up, let's just keep them right there. They're less likely to adjust because they haven't seen them. Like, and that's like, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be watching games. They're studying their tape, their next opponent. They're laser focused on one thing. It's their team and who their opponent are, who their opponent is. So I don't have a problem with it. I just, I would have them lower because of how they've looked. I'm I'm right in between. On my ballot this week, I had A and M sixth, and again, it's one of those situations where two of the probably should mention it when it comes to Iowa. It's like right now, after you get past that top five, I guess of Alabama, Oklahoma, you know Georgia, uh, Oregon, whoever you've in who's number five. Anyway, after you get past that kind of spot, like you've got a lot of really similar teams. So it does come down to just resume or what you think as far as going forward predictive and how they've performed. So I, I don't think Texas A&M has been incredibly impressive through two games for sure. It's just, had I known the Haynes King injury before having to sim- submit the ballot, I might have docked them a few points. So I, I, it's hard to really gauge them right now. Okay, I'm with the coaches poll only because I had them over Iowa. Who has a better defense, Texas A&M or Iowa? Texas A&M. Well, so I better, think they're the same team. I think a better they're offense. the same team right now. I, I think AM's a better version of Iowa, but they're the same mm. style. It, it, with Zach Calzada, I'm going to withhold judgment on who has the better offense, but I think AM has the better defense. I do like Iowa's running backs, but I like AM's running backs too. Jalen Watermeyer might be your tiebreaker there for Texas AM's offense. Correct. Yeah. But if it's this close and we're debating it, shouldn't it be the team with the two better wins? I, I so <laughs> hey hey hey, Danny. Hey, well, listen, they'll have a common opponent after this yes. week after Iowa plays Kent State. So Kent State will be the deciding factor. <laughs> Kent State went into College Station and played Texas A and M. Strange game had us thinking all kinds of new things about Texas A and M's offense, which I suppose went out the window when uh, Haynes King gets injured on the very first series, and then all of a sudden you've got to go from your new offense to now whatever you're going to do to be able to piece together this game. Thank you for mentioning that Kent state uh, will be playing Iowa and, uh, and let's see, where was it? The, if, if this truly is going to be a chaos season, I agree. Will McDonald, if Kent, Kent state beating Iowa, that would be hilarious. <laughs> like that, that would settle this debate. That would absolutely be hilarious. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but Kent State can put a lot of points up on you in a hurry. And I don't know about Iowa's Iowa. offense's <laughs> capability being able to keep up if that happens. What if AM loses to Arkansas? That could happen too. <laughs> how, how do they look? Oh, because Arkansas is a ranked team now. That like they, A&M could A&M's floor for a drop could end up being buoyed by the fact that Arkansas is a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet A&M against Arkansas. I, I think Arkansas is going to get trendy. Arkansas's defense primarily uh, lives on uh, 
basically teams not being willing to be patient and not willing to run the ball and try to push the ball down the field. They're like, like one of these just kind of humble, hey, don't hit us with explosive plays type defenses. And and m never tries to hit explosive plays through the air anyway. So they're like, that's fine. We'll just go on these, you know, like year-long drives uh, and they still play really good defense. I, I think that's an interesting spot. But is not ready to have the Arkansas second-best team in the SEC West conversation. Mm-mm. All right. I'm not. It was a great question, though. I actually got some feedback on Twitter that I took too long to answer that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Ohio State is our next team that is divided between the AP and the coaches. Ohio State is number nine in the AP top 25 and number 11 in the coaches poll. We there's a there's a lot to to peel apart with this Ohio State team versus what we think it can be, what we have seen it be in flashes, and um, and, and what was exposed in terms of a lot of different weaknesses here. So are you with the AP and the writers on Ohio state, maybe a little bit higher than consensus, or are you on the coaches thinking that this is not a top 10 team right now? I'm with the AP. They've got them in the same spot as my, as my ballot at night. I've actually got Ohio state a spot ahead of Iowa on my ballot. I don't think losing to Oregon as the season moves on is going to prove to be a bad loss. And this is Tom's Oregon Ducks. Good on you. You backed yourself into a corner over months of analysis and win totals locks. And there's no corner. Expert pick. Free and easy. Yeah, no, no, no. You were like, hey, you know what? And Oregon's a playoff team. And we were all like, okay, Tom. Look great now. <laughs> I, I, will not wrong. I Why are I they that? Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Bob. No, go ahead, Danny. Why are they that far from Clemson? You know, like if you exactly. wanted, to, if you wanted to do this base, I have them lower because I would penalize for a loss, and it was a home loss. But I mean, if Clemson's is considered a good loss, and you keep them up there at six, why would you? I mean, Ohio State's loss wasn't that much different. And like it was looked, different looking. Who looked more impressive in their loss? Like, I, I think Ohio State, State did. Yeah. Yeah. But it was to an inferior quality team, right? Like Why? Ohio State was a 14-point favorite and Clemson or, was a three-point favorite. But just because the spread was wrong doesn't mean – it's like Oregon is not an inferior quality team. Again, this is an Oregon team. To Georgia? Was, I'm, yeah, they just literally went on the road and beat Ohio State. Why the hell can't they beat Georgia? Georgia That's couldn't score point. against Clemson. Oregon's I, I, got a better defense than Clemson. I do think that Ryan Day has a real problem, though. The way that Ohio State recruits, I refuse to accept the idea that they have missed on all of these defensive recruits. <laughs> what they do right now, and I, I follow some guys on Twitter who are pretty sharp coaches. We looked at this in the offseason. We talked about it last year. Last year, I was willing to excuse a little bit because it was the COVID year. And, you know, Kerry Combs didn't get to do all the stuff he wanted to do and install his stuff. Seems like he still had installed his stuff because they are so simple on defense. And if you're going to be super simple on defense, you need to basically be Iowa, which means you never have missed assignments. You have tremendous fundamentals and you're so simple that allows you to play super fast. And like Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator for Oregon, ate his lunch because mm -hmm. they don't have enough, enough complexity in that scheme relative to the level of fundamentals that they play at. Their guys don't play to their testing times and the, and the athleticism that we know that they have. And you know, Danny, if you knew that the opponent was going to play some version of cover three on every single snap and not play it all that well, you would tear them up. And I've seen enough now. Like Ryan Day, this is like, Kerry Combs is, is Ryan Day's Mike Stoops. Eventually, you got to fire him because you're going to keep wasting all these great offenses that you have. And this is two years in a row now that Ohio State has a tremendous offense. They rolled up, what, 600 yards on Oregon and didn't win? I know they played some situational football stuff, not great, but defensively, that's inexcusable. It's not like Oregon has difference makers at the skill positions, you know, other than than the running back. I, I think that you got to make a change there. And like, you know, Danny, it, I mean, just talk about it. like there's no way that they can do what they do with that level of talent. Not against good teams like Oregon. They might be able to do it against some of the lower teams in the Big Ten, but when you get, and especially a coordinator like Joe Moorhead, who has the weapons that he has, he will pick you apart. Um, the other thing too, is maybe they don't have that chase young type figure up front. Maybe they don't have that shutdown corner on the outside. You know, I saw our, some of our, uh, you know, comments, somebody said, what's wrong with cover three. Cause I, and I would say the Legion of boom, like the Seahawks ran cover three a lot and they vary, they'd have the little variations in it, but 
they were doing it close to perfection mm-hmm. when they were doing it. You know, and they had some dudes up front that were some of the best, you know, defensive players in the NFL. But so a lot of your reads as a quarterback are made off single high or two high safety. Like that's that's your first thing you're looking for when you're dropping back to pass. Is it single high? I'm going to work this side of the field. And if it's too high, I'm going to work this side of the field. And if you only have to know every single time, you're just going to be working the single high look. Then you can have mirrored routes on both sides that both have success rates against a single high safety. Uh, in the run game, you can go away from the safety. Whichever one is coming down in run support, you can run away from him with a really simple opposite call or some sort of audible at the line of scrimmage that's really, really basic. Because college, you do have to keep some things basic. But if you just have the run support safety and you know which way he's coming down and you just go the other way, you're going to have an advantage in the run game every single time. Like it is... You have to be multiple, and it can't just be cover three or man. Like, it's got to be multiple. You have to show different looks. You have to go too high sometime just to keep the other team guessing because if you don't, they will rip you apart just like Oregon did on Saturday. I think cover three is great. I think it's a great defense. I think it's a great (laughs) podcast name, and it's fantastic. I thought I should mention that. And I I do think, like, like, you could run cover three. That's fine. If that's your base defense, that's fine. It's just if you're not getting any pressure or a pass rush, you need to figure out ways to you know produce it. And they're clearly not getting it by just lining up straight and going straight ahead on every single time with their four down linemen, which is what they were doing against Oregon. It wasn't working. And even going against you know Minnesota, they only had four tackles for loss against the Gophers. Now, part of that is obviously the fact that Minnesota ran the ball 50 times per game. And it's you know they were kind of just playing it that way. But still, they're not getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They have far too much talent on that defensive line not to be getting pressure. And maybe when you're playing Maryland or Indiana and those offensive lines, it'll come naturally without doing anything. But when it's not, you have to have a plan B. You have to have something you can bring out to just change things up and generate the pressure that's not there because there's no way in hell you're going to stop anybody, no matter who your secondary is, if the quarterback's got all the time in the world to wait for his receiver to find the empty spot in your zone. And I believe that Minnesota actually ran a lot of the stuff that Oregon did. Oregon just looked at it. They watched the tape. They said, is this really Ohio State's answer every time? Like, this is this is the way they play this, this look, like, every time? Okay, we're going to add two more tags on top of it. And that's how they were just so successful. It's like, why, why is Ohio State not always outgapped? I don't want to speak in hyperbole, but consistently outgapped. Why do they look like they're, they have nobody to set the edge there? It, it, why are they getting formation to death? Is this really their answer for this or that? It, it's look. Sometimes you know, and the the level of athlete that Ohio State recruits, they may not have a Joey Bosa up front. They should be better than this. Three more uh, teams. Hey, should okay. we should we rename the pod? Should we rename? It's cover three. It's really basic. They do have versions like they have three sky, three buzz. Maybe we call it three bud. Maybe that should be our new name. We kind of have cover three buzz. I mean, we get camp buzz, you know. That's right. Figure out ways to get it in. Uh, All right. Three more teams with a differing opinion between the AP and the coaches poll up in the top 12. One of the biggest headline programs and teams that we will talk about a lot this week, the Penn State Nittany Lions. AP loving themselves some Nittany Lions. They've got them at number 10, one spot behind Ohio State. Uh, the coaches have them down at number 12, though also one spot behind Ohio State. Uh, Penn State, six-point favorite. We're going to break it down so we don't have to talk about this only through the lens of the Auburn game. Um, but with Penn State, are you more with the AP or the coaches? Right in the middle. 11? Yeah, I, I think that Penn State's good, but they haven't you know, had a – like they, they won that game against Wisconsin. I think that's huge. And last week was just kind of a – whatever game, nothing to take away from it. So I think that that's one of those areas where you're, it's more that I, I need to see how Wisconsin looks going forward too. Like how big is that Wisconsin win going to look as the season goes along before I really pump up Penn state. But like I was saying earlier, when it comes to that possible like top six matchup against Iowa in a few weeks, Penn state comes out this weekend and not only beats Auburn, but looks really impressive while doing it. That's going to move them up just from a, narrative and a perception standpoint of oh they beat an sec team even if it's not a good sec team in the minds of voters it's going to inflate their value even fur- further to add that to the wisconsin one give me a fair 
I think I, I like, I think Penn state's a very good football team. If I have to go like a buy or sell on Penn state and we're making this binary, I'm, I'm going to go buy. I like the Nittany lions. I go AP. Like if they were seventh or something, I'd have a little bit of pause, but 10th to me does not feel, uh, does not feel extreme. They did go on the road at Wisconsin. I don't know if Wisconsin is a super elite team. I think I was perhaps wrong on them in the preseason, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Just based on how their offenses looked. But 10 doesn't seem outrageous, so I'll go ahead and go with uh, with the AP. What do you think, Danny? Danny? Did we lose Danny? Danny, did you lose audio? <laughs> Danny's gone. Danny. All right, um, uh, the Florida Gators, also uh, another one of these teams that we've got. They are number 11 in the AP, but all the way up to number nine in the coaches poll. So uh, the Gators, again, one of the the most important teams to look at for this week as they are going to be playing against Alabama in the SEC on CBS Game of the Week. You can watch it for free on CBSSports.com, on the CBS Sports app, on any connected TV or mobile device. So the Gators... Are you more with the AP or more with the coaches with the AP being a little bit more of the, you know, cautious, waiting to see more. And uh, the coaches seem to be a little bit more confident in Dan Mullen's squad. I'm leaning towards the coaches side here. I'm, I'm a little higher on Florida than I think others. I just part of him, you know, honest to God, real life assessment of my own biases here. Part of it might be I've seen less of Florida than I have the other team. So I just don't have enough to check off as like a negative or a concern. I have them 10th in my ranking. So literally, like it's right smack dab in the middle. Um, I am interested in this game this weekend, by the way. I feel like last year, Dan Mullen needed to scheme up one-on-one opportunities. Uh, This year, I don't think anybody on the outside really scares you for the Gators. So instead of trying to find ways to get guys isolated one-on-one, I think Mullen has an interesting challenge that he needs to find ways to get guys wide open through coverage busts by Alabama, which – I'm not sure bodes super well because Bama's secondary is loaded. But look, I, Florida's a good football team. Their defensive front, I think, is better. I think they hit on some of those transfers. I don't know. Nine sounds fine. Eleven sounds fine. Like I said, I have them 10th. So, you know, it's right in the middle. Don't you think it's clear as day that Anthony Richardson is a guy? Assuming yes. he's healthy. Yeah. I think Dan Mullen's got a really tricky decision to make, though. Do you make the move before Bama or do you wait until about halftime of the game or just wait until after the game, get him a nice, fresh, clean start with a winnable game the following week before you throw him to the wolves, so to speak. Because I think, I mean, I, I've been very underwhelmed with Emory Jones so far. It was one of these ones where I kind of trusted Dan Mullen could maximize the talent he's given. Emory Jones just may not be the guy. So I think that part of the mentality is that you know that Anthony Richardson, if you name him the starting quarterback, and if Alabama knows that Anthony Richardson is the starting quarterback, then the preparation that that Alabama defense has to go through is less of the playbook. It is it is less tape. It is less uh, of the Florida offense, of the Dan Mullen offense. I mean, you know, maybe you are going back to Mississippi State to try and grab little pieces, but even if Emory Jones has struggled, you have to think that he has a, a wider grasp of the entire Florida offense in a way that it would almost be a competitive disadvantage to Florida to come out and say, Anthony Richardson is our starting quarterback. I mean, he might end up playing more than Emory Jones against Alabama, but as long as Dan Mullen is fine with all the Florida fans yelling at him and boy, he sure seems fine with it. He seemed a little ticked off with the, you know, all the reporters doing the questioning about the quarterback position uh, during today's media availability. But as long as Dan Mullen can withstand that, I think that he at least gives himself in the game planning and the game preparation. Uh, he avoids being disadvantaged by telling Nick Saban, uh, by telling Pete Goulding and that entire Alabama defense, hey, Anthony Richardson has looked explosive, and these are the things that he's been able to do against, by the way, FAU and USF, right? Like he is not going to be hitting those same kind of explosive plays when we level up in talent and athleticism against Alabama. I believe that you've got to let Emory Jones still go out there and at least get this thing started because otherwise uh, it's, a, it's a very skinny playbook. I would imagine. I could be very, very wrong, but that's what my guess is on the situation because based on what we've seen, there's no reason why QB1 uh, should not be QB2. 
I mean, we made a separate video about it, how I, I said Richardson will take over, uh, you know, at least by the end of the season, if not before. I think Chip absolutely nailed it. Emory Jones knows more of this offense. You are too limited right now, I think, to play a full game with Richardson against Bama. Why not roll him out there the next week against against Tennessee, a game you can actually win, uh, and then a game you probably need to, need to get him ready for uh, the next weekend after that in, in, in their game at Kentucky. So I, I, I think they'll continue to play both until Richardson has more of a grasp of the entire offense. But this Gators staff knows. Like, they know Richardson's the future and not Jones. It's yeah. just like the Bears with Justin Fields. <laughs> Is Fields not going to be the starter for week two? No. Okay. We still got to roll with QB1. <laughs> Um, all right. Now our last one that we've got again, this is from teams number five through 12, six of them are two spots apart in both the AP and the coaches as we continue to go through and compare them. Uh, Notre Dame number 12 in the AP top 25 after escaping with the win against Toledo, Notre Dame number 10 in the coaches poll, which way are we going AP or coaches. I mean, one of the wins of the year in Tallahassee in <laughs> overtime. I mean, come on. Talk about resume builder. Whew. I mean, I disagree with both. I think they're both too high. I have them at 13 in my ballot. And honestly, that might be too high, like upon reflection, because this is a Notre Dame team that needed overtime to get past Florida State, blew a huge lead. The same Florida State team that then turns around and loses to Jacksonville State. And then on this Saturday, Notre Dame needed a last-minute drive in the fourth quarter to beat Toledo at home. And I, Toledo, I know Bud likes Toledo. I like Toledo. They're one of the, they probably going to win the MAC this year. They're a good MAC team, but they shouldn't be going into South Bend and nearly knocking off the Fighting Irish. And if the Fighting Irish are a top twelve or a top ten team, definitely shouldn't have been that close. So I think everybody's probably a little high on the Irish right now. I have them eighteenth. Yeah, I was going to say they're closer to Arizona State yeah, than like, they are to these teams that are up in the top 10. So yeah, in, well, my, in my notes column, like this is a team that I just wrote, get healthy, right? They're missing a couple key guys right now. I think that we already knew they had a bunch of new starters in for this year. I think some of these injuries have impacted their continuity. They were sort of lucky to escape at Toledo game at times. Although Toledo also got some breaks, to be fair. Uh, but I do think they have real potential – uh, for the rest of the season, if they can get some guys back healthy, particularly along that offensive line, yeah, like if you're if you're going based on how teams have looked, there's no reason in the world UCLA should be ranked behind Notre Dame. No, God, no. Agree, with the, without a doubt. Coming up on the other side, it's time for upon further review. A chance now that we've had been able to review the tape, go back on the box scores. So our first time checking in with you uh, since late night on Saturday night. So uh, our final thoughts on week two, and we turn the page for the week three storylines that have our attention, including will Clay Helton get tarmacked in Pullman next. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, upon further review, this is our, sort of our final thoughts from the weekend that was before we turn the page. Um, Tom, you want to lead us off? Yeah, we kind of touched on it already, but like on Saturday night, you know, I had to, when it came to the Oregon-Ohio State game, Chip, as you can attest to, I had to live blog it. And when you're live blogging a game, it's kind of hard to really zone in on any one thing in particular and it's always kind of hard to do it live on a television broadcast too but i said on the show on saturday night that ohio state was both mostly in like a base man no as we talked about they were re-watching it yesterday they they were playing cover three 
Uh, bud? Um, did you guys see how many yards per play Stanford put up on USC? Mm. I wasn't watching that game live. I DVR'd it and went back and watched a little bit. They put up eight yards of play on USC's defense. Uh, I think finding Tanner McKee, I don't know why in the hell they were playing Jack West over Tanner McKee. Tanner McKee is a guy who we rated really highly out of high school. Then he took his LDS mission. Then he came back to Stanford. The guy is like, I thought he had the goods, and uh, he looked really nice for them. Of course, they ran the ball well. It's nice to throw, off, throw the ball off play actually when you're running for damn near 300. But uh, Stanford looked uh, looked pretty good. Unfortunately for the Fighting Bartons, that Stanford figure out who their quarterback should be literally like the week before they go to Nashville. Mm. I uh, upon further review, I might join you guys on the Clay Helton is not a good yes. coach bandwagon. Like I might just go ahead and jump on there. I, I had such high hopes for the Trojans this year. That was embarrassing. Like you, I mean, I know you were kind of joking. Does he get tarmacked? But that was the final nail in the coffin. Like I think for any reasonable, rational, maybe sometimes too patient analysts that are out there trying to give him every opportunity, that's a game you can't lose. He's a very nice man. Nobody wants to say mean things about him. That's what it boils Super down nice to. guy. We did have, see, we, yeah. Well, did you see the column where, um, I mean, it is, it's the saddest uh, premise, but um, I, I believe the writer's Brady McCullough and the pitch was. Uh, <laughs> Dead last, though. So. During this offseason, Clay Helton told us his favorite TV character was Ted Lasso, which is cool, except he's really starting to resemble Ted Lasso <laughs> as the like affable, bumbling, incompetent coach who everyone just likes because he's such a nice guy and a good guy. <laughs> yeah, like there was there was McCullough's column in the LA Times. Bill Plaschke also wrote a column in the LA Times. Anytime there's two columns calling for you to be fired in week two of the season. Not a great sign. I wrote in the Monday after today that, you know, I, I just <laughs> I wrote about what USC needs to do after it replaces Helton. I didn't even write like, no, they should fire him. I feel like you said, Danny, the nails in the coffin. It's only a matter of time now. So when it's going to happen. So we uh, my upon further review was a, a result that was very much off the radar, but it has me rethinking a lot of what we thought going into the season. And the the big headline that I've got from for my upon further review is that super seniors don't mean squat. Okay, because wow. Illinois, 22 super seniors. We saw how that's gone. I, I said all offseason that Billy Napier and this Louisiana squad, like in all their experience, that was why they were going to be dangerous to Texas, competing for another Sunbelt championship. I think App State and Coastal Carolina look markedly better than the Raging Cajuns through two weeks. The Raging Cajuns, for those who didn't pay attention, three-point win against Nichols over the weekend and that then has me going back to look at the Texas result, which, while a ranked win for the Texas Longhorns, maybe got us a little bit over our skis on where all gas, no brakes was. The other example here is Ball State, which went into Happy Valley, and, and that was a game that Penn State just controlled for 60 minutes. It's like all these teams that I had given little plus value to because of their super seniors and all their experience – it hasn't really seemed to pay off uh, in the way that we thought. So my pun for the review is that super seniors might not mean squat. Well, I, it's like the whole returning starters stat that every single year, it's only good if your starters are good. <laughs> like the guys coming back, it's the same thing with the super seniors. Like it's not great if they're not great players. You know, there's some value in some programs to have an experience, but some of these, the players are just maxed. There's not really much more you can offer. I have two more quickly. Mm -hmm. Two Power 5 teams who won, but if you really dig into the box scores, they should have lost. Uh, so first, do you know Miami of Ohio outgained Minnesota on a per-play basis? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Minnesota did not look very good. Like I don't know what was going on there, but like they probably should have lost that game. Uh, the other one, we got to talk about Oklahoma State. I know we talked about Spencer Sanders. Tulsa had like a 40% yards per play edge in that game. Just Oklahoma State had better luck returning their turnovers they got for scores or or, or near scores. Uh, they don't look very good. I'm sitting on an over seven and a half ticket there, and uh, mm -mm, that, that, ain't, that ain't getting home. Speaking of, and a uh, good idea from Bud that from the, uh, the group chat, Wednesday's show will include – how we're feeling about our win totals locks. So a great chance for us to, uh, you know, when we're sitting on those tickets, let you know how we're feeling. And you mentioned the Miami of Ohio, Minnesota game. So 
in my notes, I had that Gophers led 21-3 at halftime and nearly blew it. I imagine they just packed it in and thought they could cruise, right? I think so. Uh, well, I have a quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown. So I'm curious as to how they actually built that lead. Like right? Trayson, they gave Trayson Potts 34 carries, and I think he did it at like a very workman, like three or four yards per carry. So he got over 100 yards, which gave your AP recap writer exactly what you want. The replacement for Muhammad Ibrahim is right here in Trayson Potts. But it was, you know, good good job of running behind a big offensive line. But yeah, I also had in my notes that Miami of Ohio outgained Minnesota too. No, I, I think, Chip, I think you bring up a really good point because Minnesota had a 50% success rate in the first quarter, which is great. Obviously, 40% second. And then the third quarter is where this, this damage really happened. It was like Minnesota thought the game was over because they were up by 18 points. And Miami, Ohio, just like everything they ran worked in the third quarter. Uh, and, you know, nothing Minnesota ran did. Regardless of game script, I still feel like 287 yards of offense isn't enough at home against Miami, Ohio. <laughs> That's yes. that's a good point. That's a very good point. Okay. Uh, any any other last lingering uh, notes or thoughts on week two before we turn the page? All right. Week three storylines. Uh, let's start up in Happy Valley where we've got Penn State hosting Auburn. Auburn has, through two weeks, they put together some pretty good computer numbers, um, and yet I am finding myself short of being confident in this Tigers team to go on the road to Happy Valley. I haven't decided on my pick yet. I've still got some time to mull it over, do some more reading, do some more research. But I was, of these two teams where Penn State had the game against Wisconsin, I feel like Auburn, we haven't really gotten to see a test that is going to reveal their weaknesses, a test that's going to reveal what they need to do and what their moves are when they start to uh, when they start to find some adversity on the field. Shout out Will Muschamp. Um, so I, do you think that this Auburn team right now is in a position to, um, like many SEC teams have in the past, you know, go on the road and you're like, oh, this is when they get got. Doesn't always play out that way. How? What are the general storylines and the threads from this massive uh, game this weekend that are interesting to y'all? I've been digging on this game a lot. Um, so Auburn's offense in game one against Akron looked really good, like 10 yards of play. Man, Auburn, look how, look how buttoned up they are. They look really, really good. They're, they're tight. Okay. Then with a backup quarterback, Temple goes to Akron over the weekend and drops eight yards per play on Akron. And then I got to thinking, hmm, I don't know if Temple, who just got shut down by Rutgers, doesn't have a starting quarterback in Mathis and goes to Akron and drops eight yards on you per play before garbage time. How impressive is that 10 yards really per play that you put on Akron in that first game? Uh, I think that I'm very confident that Auburn defensively can run with Penn State. I think Auburn's back seven has a lot of guys who will play in the NFL. Like that part of what they've been recruiting is still there. I don't think Penn State's going to have these guys that are just you know running by Auburn. But can Bo Nix and that offense do anything to prevent Penn State from starting drives at their own 40, the 50, Auburn's 40? You know, it, it, This could turn into a field position type game pretty quickly if Penn State, if their offense turns out, or if Auburn's offense turns out uh, to not be for real. And after seeing how bad Akron's defense is, I have a lot less confidence in what Auburn's offense actually is. Yeah, I, I think like a concern going into this game. Like, first of all, it's Sean Clifford versus Bo Nix. So it's a battle of it's a battle of two quarterbacks who have not exactly been lauded very long on this podcast, generally on the wrong end of our opinions. But what concerns me if I'm Auburn is like I think Auburn's good enough. Like Penn State, I think, is good. I don't think Penn State is good enough to where I'm just going to assume it's going to beat Auburn at home. But I think part of it, like something, this might sound silly, but I think a part of a concern that I have for Auburn is that they have not struggled at all this year. It has been incredibly easy. And now they're going to be going on the road in front of 100,000 people who are out of their freaking minds. And what's going to happen the first time something goes wrong for the first time all season when you're in that environment for the first time in a long time? I worry that something could go wrong early and they could just get buried. So I think it's going to be really important for Auburn to get off to a good start in this game if it's going to have any shot at pulling off the quote-unquote upset. 
don't you think it aren't you kind of expecting an ugly field position game bud when you said that like yeah, I just so, don't see either one of these teams just running up and down the field on the other. I made the uh, I made the number fifty five, um, and that's with Penn State. Like I, I've really upped my tempo ratings for Penn State. I, I believe they intend to play very fast under Mike Yurcich, um, and so I think that kind of tells you guys if I have a crazy high tempo rating on a game and I still have a number in the mid fifties, I do think it'll be ugly. I think both defenses will have the upper hand. And is that the quarterbacks, which makes you think? I mean, yeah. need, both like, will be going pro in something other than sports. Yeah, neither one, or, neither one really strike a lot of fear in you. Uh, it is like, but I think this could be a game of a couple big plays. I mean, I, the Wisconsin game I think is a pretty good example of what you might see, like back and forth, kind of ugly quarterback play. There's going to get a one of these teams going to get a receiver deep on a post behind a safety. It's going to be there, and the question is, does Sean Clifford hit him or does he not? And does Bo Nix does he? make a play or does he throw a pick? Like, I think it's going to be an ugly kind of slug fest where the defenses are on display. And then yeah. it's like, who do you trust more in that situation? I guess I trust the home team. Yeah, like, exactly. Cause I, I feel like Bo Nix is more likely to make the backbreaking mistake in this road environment than Sean Clifford will be at home. Mm-hmm. So another, uh, another headline is uh, the cover three historian special as Indiana plays host to the Cincinnati Bearcats. <laughs> Bearcats are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, we still got one more game. I believe Cincinnati is off next week, then back in action at Notre Dame the following week. And as we have said, all offseason, and we will continue to say, for it to even be interesting to talk about Cincinnati down the stretch once we get into conference play, they need both of these road wins, and it will not be against two top 25 teams because Indiana is not ranked right now. And given our aforementioned assessment of Notre Dame, that win might not even carry some of the same clout as we thought based on the preseason, but still road games against quality opponents. Does Cincinnati get it done or does Indiana end this storyline right now? Can we have a timeout real fast? Sure. Can Coca put the cover three film room comment on the screen? We're talking about who else is Clifford going to throw to. <laughs> All right, so he wrote, uh, Clifford loves throwing to one receiver first, Hamler, now Dotson. I feel like Auburn can limit Dotson, and then where will he go? I got totally ripped for this on the Penn State Lions 247 message board over the summer, so I need to make sure I talk about this. Parker Washington, Parker Washington, Parker Washington, Parker Washington. He's very good. I'll make sure I mentioned him several times for you guys. He is really good. Penn State does have two legitimate receivers. Just wanted to point that out. Love Mason Parker Washington. He's excellent. Sorry I didn't mention every player on your team over the summer, but I actually do think he's good. Back, back to the Indiana Cincinnati yeah, yeah. coming in. I thought they split. I think they still do. I think they get this one. And Notre Dame, I'm not ready to write off yet. Okay, like, but I think they get Indiana this week. Okay, Indiana's Indiana's kind of falling back to being Indiana a little bit. I I think Cincinnati is the better team. I don't think I'll be that shocked if Indiana beats it because I I think in in Bloomington I think that this is, it's going to be better. You know, I think Cincinnati's going to win. I just don't think it's, I don't know, honestly. I really don't know. I, I There's a part of me that kind of wants Cincinnati to lose. Oh, God, that's going to get taken out of context. But there's a part of me that wants Cincinnati to lose just so we could be done with the stupid, will they make the playoff talk? Coastal. Not. Uh, coastal. Huh? That, they're, no, they're not getting close to the coastal. <laughs> but I mean, like, like Chip's saying at the top, it's like, well, now poor Cincinnati, you know, their Indiana win's been turned out. It's like it's not as big if it happens, and the Notre Dame win might not be worth as much. It never mattered to begin with. So if we could just stop this dumb conversation, I know Cincinnati fans take it personally. It's not you, it's just the system. You're not invited. Sorry. Texas, uh, go ahead. No, I, I just think that Cincinnati's offensive line. Is not that great, and I think Indiana can cause them problems up front. I, I don't, I don't know why this is over a field goal personally. Uh, Texas will be going to a new starting quarterback, Casey Thompson. Uh, the game is against Rice, so I don't don't know how much we're going to get specifically, and I do expect that we will see Hudson Card. But for uh, Hudson Card, and uh, we saw this, I was l- looking at Chip Brown's breakdown on Horns Two Four Seven. It was. Five out of the first seven drives 
of the game led by Hudson Card were three and outs. And the only touchdown came right after a short field set up by an interception. Just was not effective as a quarterback. Casey Thompson comes in, first two drives, both end up being long double-digit play drives that end up being touchdowns, including, and I'm quoting Chip Brown here because it was a great uh, a great line. He said, including a Sam Ellinger special when he carried four defenders into the end zone. <laughs> so anytime that you're invoking the name of an iconic Texas quarterback, my ears are going to perk up. Do you think that this switch continues in Texas where they're going back and forth? Or do you think that Casey Thompson, and I'll just go ahead and let you know, home against Rice, home against Texas Tech, and then at TCU. So advantageous opportunities. If you are Casey Thompson, you've just been named the starter to put together a couple good performances. How do you uh, see this uh, quarterback battle playing out over the next couple weeks? I believe Sark, when he said neither one of them separated in the competition like that, but I do think there's value in experience and that's why he's going with this. Casey Thompson's been around more. He's seen a little bit more. Maybe that was why he had more success when he's a little bit more comfortable coming in on the road, got a little bit of more experience under his belt. But I don't think this is the last quarterback move you'll see this year for Texas. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. If, and this is not a good situation to be in. If you're Sark, you want to find your guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see him play both of them for the next couple games, I, maybe I, all season long. I think he might find his guy here in the next couple of weeks. I, I think Casey. that Hudson, I think Hudson Card is more dynamic overall, and I think he's got a ton of potential. But I think that he's still very raw. Like that was the one thing I took away from that Arkansas game. Where it was just it was like he looked overwhelmed. And at least Casey Thompson has that experience, and I think that Thompson getting the start against Rice, that is a team that Texas should come out and be pretty comfortable against. And Casey Thompson should play well against. And I think Hudson Card will get snaps, and I think he'll look good in this game as well. But I just think that over these next couple of games against Rice and Texas Tech, it's a good time if you're Casey Thompson to be taking over the starting role because you're probably going to look good and you're going to kind of ahead of that TCU game, which looks like it could be a tough game the way TCU, you know, has been played against uh, Cal on Saturday. I think Thompson has time to establish himself against two opponents that will present him that opportunity too. I think they'll play both. Um, I think they really believe in Hudson Card long-term, but they... They also need to win some games in the Big mm-hmm. 12, and I don't think that Hudson Card, um, I don't think he handled the Arkansas defense quite as well as that staff expected him to, right? Uh, so, you know, they, they, they do got to win some ball games. Rice is kind of a weird team because Rice played Arkansas tough for a half, and then Rice came out against Houston, and Houston all of a sudden figured out how to hit it, how to hit explosive plays again. I was like, oh, okay, that was interesting. Thank you since I have Texas team to, or uh, you know win total over. Thank you for not doing that against Texas Tech, uh, but – like Rice's defense just got totally ripped on Saturday. So I don't really, I didn't watch the game. I don't know what happened. I just saw their explosive rating was through the roof. So I expect both quarterbacks to probably have some success here. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened to him against Arkansas. Like they were great for the first quarter and a half. And then Arkansas was like, oh, wait, we on can just way. do this. Um, lots of injury news on uh, here on Monday. Skylar Thompson uh, is out indefinitely with the knee injury, though. He may be back before the end of the season. We'll see. Haynes King, it's a fractured ankle. Won't be playing before mid-October at the earliest. NC State linebacker Peyton Wilson going down is just absolutely awful for that defense just because of how much he did from the middle of the field, both in terms of being able to you know, get back in pass protection or rush the passer. There's, there's a lot more than that. So what stands out to y'all as some of the biggest and most significant injury news when it comes to, uh, and some of this can be, still be from Saturday too, where we've just gotten updates on Monday. Uh, what has you adjusting your notes and your expectations for some of these teams? Uh, Brandon Peters is back. <laughs> yes, that's the key one. Uh, did you, do you guys follow uh, Phil Dracovic on, on Instagram? I do not. I don't either, but everybody on Twitter just screenshotted it while I've been broadcasting uh, from Newton Wellesley Hospital, which I assume is in Boston. Uh, mm-hmm. He just Instagrammed his hand uh, in a cast. Mm. It's th- it's also based on the thumb, and I think it's a throwing hand, so he's going to miss a little bit. That's not great for Boston. That's huge for, for, yeah, like that really will decide some ACC win totals because he's that team. Their defense still sucks. Mm-hmm. And like when they put in uh, Chip, how did we decide we say the kid's name? Dennis Grossel. Grossel. Dennis Grossel. Uh, 
they were not really very effective uh, against UMass. So that that's kind of a one man team. That's that's too harsh. Th- th- their potential is based on Dracovic actually playing and playing well, like he's been doing the entire time he's been at BC. If he's in a cast, they're they're hurting. Uh, in any others? I think the Haynes King injury is big for Texas A&M, just based on what we saw from Calzada in you know in, in that game against Colorado. Although I do think that sometimes when you lose your quarterback during a game instead of before a game, and you unexpectedly have to go to another guy, it could lead to some you know disconnect there in the offense and what your game plan was. So maybe now that they have time to game plan and prepare with Calzada as their starter, things will look a bit smoother. But I do think that if you know, if you're the Aggies and you're considering yourself a contender in the SEC West and maybe a possible playoff team, losing your starting quarterback for a month is not a good thing. It's grossal. It's grossal. Grossal. Okay. You're gross. Old. I needed and listen. <laughs> I've I've it's grossal in my brain, and I will make sure it's grossal. But uh, but that is from the uh the game notes from this past weekend win against UMass. Did they cover against UMass? No, UMass got him. If if he's UMass tough, plus can we call him? If he's tough, can we call him Gristle? Yes. Ooh. All right. Gross. Uh, the problem for AM, as I see it here, is who is on the schedule, right? In the in those weeks that King's going to be out. So if he's going to miss a month, let's just say he's going to miss the next four games. They don't have a buy in there. Uh, New Mexico, they'll beat him. They play Arkansas at the neutral site. They host Mississippi State. And then importantly, they host Bama. If he's not going to be back for Bama, you're not going to beat Bama because what you needed to have happen was for Jimbo to pick the right QB, which based on how bad Calzada played, it's probably he probably did pick the right QB. And then you needed that guy to play to his ceiling very quickly. And that guy's not in there anymore. So congrats to Alabama on winning the SEC West uh, because like AM's not going to beat them with Calzada. I still think the SEC West is a good division. It just doesn't so have a I. clear number two. Like, like yeah. is there a is there a top well, 15 Arkansas. team in that division? In your mind, a top fifteen. Other than Bama, like, is there a top fifteen team in the SEC West as they're right now? Like A and M, I think you. Could pro- how about how about top ten? Top fifteen is too aggressive. No, I no. mean I have A and M there, but I don't think that based on the injury and just where I would put them right this very second. No, but I think you get from Texas A and M to Auburn to Ole Miss pretty quickly without having to move too many spots down the line. Yeah, I think they've got a whole lot of teams in that sort of fifteen to thirty range. Right, um, and probably closer to fifteen. LSU, Arkansas, I LSU. Mean, uh, if we want to do a little more upon further review, did you guys catch them against McNeese? No. Yeah, uh, they did I, not I, look good. I box score tracked it for the most part. I yeah. um, <clears throat> so I, I might have a flaw in my system, but I don't really uh, factor in, or I don't have a good way to factor in, or like really follow a lot of FBS FCS games. It's I track how long FBS, it takes to put them away. Opponents. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I'm like, how how long before you got to garbage time? I want to see garbage time like in the first half. Right. You know what I mean? Or yeah. very early in the third quarter. I'd like it to be 31 to nothing by halftime. <laughs> yeah. Because LSU 4.6 yards of play against McNeese State. Hey, McNeese is a no, they should not have 4.6 yards. <laughs> 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 McNeese is a good FCS program, but you're LSU. Yeah. I What's mean, their if, upcoming schedule? I'll, I'll look it up while Tom talks. Sorry about that. Oh, um, Lee Mack just pulled this one up. We can. Uh, did y'all catch the story about John Emery Jr., the LSU running back who did not play and is, oops, ineligible for uh, the rest of the season? The way it was, the way the story was presented to the media at large is a reporter says, you know, we heard he signed up for the wrong class and that's why he's ineligible. And uh, Ed Odron just said, what I can tell you is he's ineligible and he won't be playing this season. Did the man sign up for the wrong class? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I feel like that's a clerical error that could be fixed pretty easily and probably shouldn't make a player ineligible for the rest of the season, but I- I had I a multi-credit know. F at Florida State because I, I didn't understand uh, how to do the drop thing. This is back, like, I'm so old that we couldn't drop classes online. You had to go to the registrar's office, and I, I didn't understand the drop date for certain classes was different. And, uh, yeah, I had, like, a three-credit F in, in this calculus class that, that I dropped. 
I tell so, you, these kids these days, they don't know the struggle. So I, uh, I went into a class. I signed up for a lot of the wrong classes. I didn't drop them all, but I just, like you, like you, bud, sometimes I just took it on the chin. But the one that I definitely signed up for the wrong class for was an Italian literature class. And Ooh. I was really excited to be in this Italian literature class until I sat down in this Italian literature class and the teacher was speaking all in Italian. And I thought we were going to read these Italian literature books in English and talk about them in English. And so when I raised my hand and I was like, hey, this whole class in Italian, see, I packed up my stuff and headed for the door. You know, sometimes you sign up for the wrong. I thought sign up for the wrong class could be like he dropped a class he couldn't have dropped. Right. Like, or, you know, the, like the that that sort of ad drop window kind of confusion where all of a sudden he wasn't a full time student anymore because he miscalculated on that. Perché non hai imparato italiano? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why? Why can't I speak it? Why can't I speak Italian? Why didn't you learn it? Um, well, eventually I did. By the time I was a four and a half year senior, I finished Italian three finally on like my fifth try of going through foreign languages at North Carolina, and I was able to get out of there. So I figured it out. That was just early on in my uh, in my journey. Okay. Uh, any other notes before we get out of here? Josh Proctor for Ohio State looks like that's a, that's a serious one. So again, we just ripped Ohio State's defense for like fifteen that's a minutes. Problem. It'll be its own video. Uh, so that's not that's probably not going to make them better. Um, you know, uh, did you guys catch Arizona State UNLV? Like I I, I no. bet UNLV. I was happy to cash that, but Gary Lewis in our chat saying uh, that it was a special teams disaster for Arizona State, and I, I did not see it. No, I, I didn't see any of that game on Saturday night. Oh, the other big uh, injury here is um, – is it Mitchell? The really good tight end Gene's for Virginia Mitchell. Tech is done. Yeah. 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 Like, that's bad. He He's a he's a major weapon for them. I saw it, Oregon that lost its tight end, too. What's his name? Uh, McCall, McDonald? Something like McEachern or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's injuries. It's football. It's football. Got to overcome them. Take them one day at a time. Next man up. All that bull. <laughs> Yeah, James Mitchell's not like a top 50 NFL draft prospect, but he could have been in the NFL draft last year, and he probably was going to be one of the best wide receivers in the ACC this year. Um, for an offense that could really use that, like, third downs, red zone, like when you just got to have somebody that's going to be a matchup advantage and get a play, Justin Fuente could scheme James Mitchell open against an advantageous matchup that is taken away from the Hokies offense. And they've got like West Virginia in uh, on the road this weekend, West Virginia, narrow favorite. You like that? Just take the Mountaineers. I already took tech plus three and I feel like I'm just sitting on a grenade here. Like <laughs> with, with, with the Mitchell news and, and everybody's going to be on by tech and, and then, you know, they're, they're not going to score any points. I'm, I'm already down about this one and I have the over two. So. I thought the ranked team on the road is, is an underdog is the time to just hammer the home favorite, the unranked home favorite. I wonder if that trend is still as strong as it used to be. Like, I feel like now everybody knows about it. Like it's kind of baked in, you know, like the Vegas anticipates the money coming, but there, I think there's something to that trend, right? Like if Vegas says, we don't care about these rankings, you know, um, I just not that high on, on West Virginia's offense, but I think both teams will play a little pacier. And, you know, West Virginia, another one of these teams that I do think, uh, like an hold on, unless I'm blanking on a game, I'm pulling this off the top of my head. But like, we haven't seen West Virginia be tested, right? Maryland, Maryland, Maryland tested them. Heck yeah, Maryland won. Beat them. They more than Beat tested them. them. Okay, I I got to review that game before I've got a a strong a uh, a strong feel on it. But it's definitely one that I've circled uh, of much interest. Here's here's something that interested me. Can Army cover nearly five touchdowns against UConn? I so I made this number 34. Right. It opened <laughs> 32. I looked at it and I said, Am I really gonna put my money on Army, a team that plays this <laughs> slow? But like, is UConn gonna score? Okay, is an important question to ask. Will UConn score any points in the game? And how many explosive plays will they allow? Because if you're giving up explosive plays to Army, like you're just totally busting it, Army's not just gonna fall down for no reason. Like they'll run it into the end zone. Todd, yeah, no, what I'm number would you need to play UConn? Would it, would it start with a four? 
I, don't know, dude. I worked myself into knots when I saw that line because it's yeah. the exact same thing. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that number's right. But seriously, <laughs> yeah. if you give me 35 and a half, I would feel I would take UConn. <laughs> you might get 35 and a half. Eventually, like, go ahead. And if you want uh, Army, go ahead and nap it up now because uh, 33 and a half show bet on uh, UConn Army. I'll give Tom 35 for a show bet. I don't know. I got it. <laughs> All right, 35 and a half. UConn is give it to you. so freaking bad, though. It's like... I'll give you 36. No, I'm not taking it. I'm not betting on UConn. I bet, now I got to stop 36 and a half. That's I it. bet on UConn. My very first like lock of the week of this season was UConn, and it was terrible, and I, I'm not doing it again. I don't care. I'm not. Nope, no taking what I mean, about when UConn plays UMass? Not doing it. Oh, well, I'll watch the hell out of it, and I might live bet it, but I ain't doing anything pregame. I'll have a UConn-UMass lock. I just, I want it. I need it. They need to have like a, some kind of code to, to where like they profile you as a gambler if you're live betting UConn-UMass. Like, this is our audience right here. Like This is who we need long-term. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, will anybody even be paying attention to that game? I feel like there's going to be value. There's going to be just a lot of algorithms just shooting up numbers on that one. Yeah. Um, would you be interested in Tulsa plus 26 and a half? Against Ohio State. No. That's literally my number. 26 and a half? Yeah. Shout out 24. And I was like, ooh, do you want to like really jump? Because Tulsa's oh, I would have jumped 24. If Tulsa's defense is still oh wait, you're saying you would have taken Ohio State. I would have I would I would have laid a 24, but like I, I didn't I didn't get down on it. I didn't see it. it that opened 24? No, no, I said I spit out 24, oh, aka gotcha. line too high. Coming like, off the loss, no. Like if Ohio State had beaten Oregon, maybe. But I I think that we're gonna see like a pissed off version of Ohio State this week. I, I thought well, about this in the post office today too, right? Like Ohio State has a lot of guys it has not been able to work into the game yet, including dudes who are part of this passing game who I think are going to want to get some playing time. So I think Ohio State will try I think Ohio State will try to blow them out and I think they're going to try to work in their backup quarterback. I think they'll try to work in Marvin Harrison Jr. I think you'll, you'll see more of Smith and Jigba. I think you'll see more of Julian Fleming. Like there are dudes on that roster this is the transfer portal era, right? Mm-hmm. And I think as a handicapper, you got to factor this thing in. Are there dudes on this roster who are going to be unhappy if they if they play three games in a season where they're not getting any balls in them, they're not really playing much? Because Ohio State hasn't had any blowouts yet. I think they will. Uh, I think Ohio State will keep throwing in the second half here. Mm. Good notes as always. Wednesday, we will be back. We will be looking at our win totals from our win totals locks. Let you know how we're feeling about some of them. A good chance to review. Think if see if we can somehow get this Kansas State over five and a half. We'll be piecing it together, but hey, that's uh, the K State way. A lot of head shaking from uh, Bud Elliott and Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott three. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 